Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week, we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. Well, hey, here's another question from your vast experience. So I know you've, unlike most people, you've actually done rehabs as well as ground up construction. And I think for most people, it's just surprising just how different those two businesses are. I know most builders find it difficult to be successful in both. So what did you learn from having your foot on both sides of the aisle? So I, when I started in this industry 20 some years ago, I did hands on. I know how to sweat copper pipes and build a simple wall, put some, you know, install doors, windows and things like that. That's how I started. So that was a great asset because it gave me and it allowed me to know what really went into each one of the trades. Not that I'm exceptional at any of the trades. As a matter of fact, I'm probably below fair. Um, but I do have uh, I do have uh, some great people that are great at it. And that's what it's important. Rehabbing homes is really hard in the compared to new construction. New construction is so much easier because you know what you're getting. You know what your framing is, you know what your foundation is. You you're not going to open a wall and find, you know, carpenter ants ate out half of the wall, half of the house. You 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 know so there's no other than a drastic change in pricing of materials. Your budget's your budget. It's easy to follow. Yeah. You know what it is. Um, rehabbing is very difficult mm -hmm. because there's no way to know when you're analyzing the property what's behind all of the walls unless they're all exposed. There's no way to know. Well, that not that there's no way to know. You can guess. You can, you know, there's, it just becomes, it's a far more expensive endeavor. It's usually lengthier. And it's just, it's much harder. Uh, it's, it, it's harder. I, I prefer new construction. I, I think most builders do. I mean, get lazy at a certain point. Sure. I mean, it's sexy. I mean, you get to make something, you have the bare land and then that's mm -hmm. the thin edge of the wedge without all of you, there's nothing for us to buy and sell and renovate. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I mean, renovating is, is, is great. I've had the luxury of renovating like 120 year old buildings. Now that right. is a labor of love. So that's a little bit different, but I, I love those because the workmanship is, is unbelievable compared to the work we do today. I know it's sad. Yes. We have such a disposable society. Some of that old stuff is just gorgeous. Yes. But let's take a little pivot here. So I know that you've become a sought after speaker on the circuit so what would you say to somebody who's good at their craft, but maybe not getting the speaking engagements they feel they deserve? Um, I don't, I, you, you've caught me off guard. I had to think how I actually started. Uh, I got pretty lucky. So it's one of these times that being a woman is, is hugely to my advantage. A woman builder and contractor, I'm kind of a novelty. So when I put myself out there, you know, my first engagements, it was like, oh yeah, you're a woman builder. We'll, we'll take you all day long. I started on, I, it's true. I mean, there's huge advantages to being a woman. It's not, it, it's not negative. I mean, I, I think the, 
I just love salary. the way you say all day long. You make it sound easy, but uh, <laughs> maybe it's like the law of the first deal. So you got your first speaking gig and from there, it just rolls downhill, right? You just have to get out there. Yes. So I, I did get my first speaking gig. Can I say bigger packets? Um, I, I would say for most investors. That's not that a bad starting- name to drop. Oh no, they're great. That's that was my first. <laughs> I that was the first big speaking engagement that I yeah. had. Uh, no, actually, that was the second one. I did a Chicago real estate conference, and I think it's knowing. Start with bigger pockets. I would recommend look at some of your local real estate conferences that are coming in. COVID's over; they're going back in, and make yourself known in those environments and push the leaders of them, and to make yourself valuable. Make a, you know, do a, do a nice uh, intro about yourself. Make sure you've got a nice headshot and, you know, make it personable. That's, that's how I did it. I don't know if it'll work for anybody else. No, I like it. I think that's the perfect advice. I mean, I do talk to a lot of speakers and that's exactly what people say. You got to get out there, make sure your package is good. That's another great bit Mm -hmm. of advice. Yeah. But I think just getting out there, that's what I hear people saying. Get out there, talk to the organizers, and when you do, because how do these organizers know that you want to speak? There are so many people that are qualified, but not everybody is out there on the speaking circuit. Right. If they just go out and ask people cold all day long, that's you know that's that's not a lot of fun. But knowing that you have somebody out there that does enjoy speaking, uh, it's, it makes a, the uh, the job of inviting a whole lot more fun. Right. And, you know, the best thing, Google real estate conferences and uh, from the year before, find out who hosted them, find out, reach out to them. The hardest thing for me was actually creating a bio. You know, my original bio uh, was like three, three sentences. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I, I don't think what I'm doing is anything worth mentioning, but to a lot of people it is. So um, have somebody else maybe write it for you, like, you know, what you're really good at and, and then put a, put a nice spin on it. But that's what I would recommend doing. Yeah. Well, I love it. You know, hey, I appreciate your modesty. I've seen it come out many times in this interview. And I do think that most very highly successful people do tend to be a little bit on the modest side because when you have results, they speak for themselves. But yeah, taking that personal approach, I think that's just huge too. Uh, I think it's very, very underrated. So uh, I'd like to go more into the personal too. So I ask everybody, what are your three greatest strengths? I don't always call it out on the air, but you said perseverance, honesty, and just plain stupidity. And by that, I would assume you mean that you're not afraid to take a chance. Very, very common among entrepreneurs, but please still expound on that. Um, I don't... I always say people ask, well, hi, why haven't you quit? Like the one it's just because I'm just too stupid to quit. I don't I don't know anything yeah. else. <laughs> I um, I have a lack of I have I've come to realize in life I do not have a healthy sense of fear. And, and maybe that's what it is. I don't know if it's stupidity or lack of fear. Uh, I look at right. things and I can analyze the fear factors. but coming out here and building on this land in an area where I really didn't know anybody to me, that's exciting, not necessarily fearful. <laughs> so you kind of see well, that great, great opportunity to get the RV out of the garage too. That's, right. that's cool. It, it, it's kind of stupid. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I think, think it's wonderful, but I, again, I appreciate the modesty. 
<laughs> because yes, uh, but you deal with it in a very healthy way. So as you said earlier, when you plan your projects, you do look at all of the contingencies. And that's a healthy way to, to face fear. Whereas most people would just say, hey, you know, this is frightening. I don't know if I should go through with it. You say, yes, I'm going to do it. And then you plan for all the contingencies so that you have a very high probability of success. And and that's what that is one of the things that I do. And and to me, something new, you know, for, for people out there that are kind of saying to themselves, oh, well, this worked for me. If this is something that scares you to the point you would probably never drop the hammer, that's okay. But entrepreneurs, we have to have um, that sense of many people have fear. We see excitement in it. So that's what it is. 100% true. <laughs> if that resonates with you, you may be an entrepreneur. You may not know it yet. Right, right. Or you just kind of look and you just keep going. And you know, one of the things that isn't talked about a lot being an entrepreneur is it's also very lonely. You have to be a person that you have to be comfortable with yourself because I have partners that are investors and people like that, but the success of the project, I mean, every ass, it falls on my shoulders. And, you know, when things start going sideways or you're just having a bad, I'm having a bad week and I, you know, there's nobody there that says, oh, so you're doing so good. <laughs> oh, they'll say I'm doing really good when we're profitable and that's it. And right. I know when that. the returns come in, of course, then you get all the accolades. Yeah. <laughs> and, and until then, it's just, oh. <laughs> yeah, so true. And of course, you know, I think that it's very human. I don't think there's a person alive who feels that they couldn't do it better than their boss sometimes. But the question, the real question is, are you willing to step out and take that level of accountability? Because if you are, then you get to find out. And that's exciting. And that's very powerful. I also think it helps me because I'm making Moody Moon Ridge bigger than myself. If I was just doing it for myself, and I think this is true of most people, we, but if you make it for my family and that okay, to some extent, I would like to create a little bit of generational wealth or ongoing passive income and this and that for my family. My daughters are, you know, in their 20s now and hopefully, you know, I'll be a grandma someday. And so will there be grandchildren and the family gone? That's what will get me out of bed on the bad days. Kind of like going, okay, this isn't about, this is way bigger than me. Way, yeah. bit, Moody Moon Ridge is way bigger than me. And we have to be profitable because we're putting, you know, our time and our money back into the um, elementary school out here that desperately needs us. So make it make it like we I need to be successful because there's a lot of kids out here in rural Tennessee that without our help won't have new gym equipment. And I'm just making, you know, those types of things. Yeah. Make it bigger than yourself. I love it. Yeah. Having a purpose bigger than yourself is huge. Well, let's talk about something fun. So you did mention the Smoky Mountains. So that's where you're out yes. right now. And that's where your project is. I think Smokies are great. I've invested out there. I think people are discovering nature in a way they haven't in the past. Some people have gotten rid of the commutes and others have actually taken the next step and said, well, if I can work from anywhere in the world, why not work from someplace that has a low cost of living? And at the same time, it's gorgeous. It is. Oh my gosh. Mm. This is probably my favorite place in the United States. I mean, I've been coming here for about 12 years. 
And I knew 12 years ago that it was someplace special. And I am yeah. honored to be building Moody Moon Ridge and the Smoky Mountains. And I have created Moody Moon Ridge, my whole concept is solely for the exact, exactly the same, the people you just mentioned, George, exactly yeah. those people. Um, we're a little bit outside of Gatlinburg, so not close to any type of, you know, super tourists, we're, but we're close enough, half hour drive, but very close to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, the Cherokee National Forest. Yes. Um, I'll have a mile and a half of walking trails just on our land alone. Uh, five wow. acre, five acre pl uh, plots of land, every one of them with mountain views. So it is, it, it is a place and, you know, I've got, the, I have the infrastructure in place uh, to, for people to work out here. Uh, and that's yeah. one of the things that I really wanted to make happen was, yeah, this is a great place to, to not only visit, but to live. Yeah. Well, love Gatlinburg and the Smokies. I climbed halfway up Mount Lecompte with my kids. That was fun. Yeah. Wow, and if I knew how you. much fun it was, we got to see all of the waterfalls. And then we climbed for another hour and a half. And we saw some guy running down. He had the poles. So, you know, he was okay. good at what he does. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I asked him, how far is it up to the top? He said, you're about halfway. So <laughs> we'd already been hiking for at least maybe three to four hours. And so at that point, we decided, okay, we're done. But that was quite an adventure. If I knew how much fun it was, yeah, we would have brought the water and gone all the way up to the top. Yeah, it's beautiful out there. And that's just one one of the many mountains you can climb out there, one of the more popular ones. I want to say there were at least three waterfalls uh, up, up that mountain, but it's gorgeous out there. And Sevierville is amazing too. Uh, Dolly Parton's town uh, seems like she owns half of it and she's done an amazing job developing it. No, Pigeon Forge, sorry, I'm mistaken, one town over. But yeah, it's it's all so beautiful out there. Uh, yeah, I got to see the Hatfields and McCoy's. She's okay. a real entertainer. And there it's it's just fun. I mean, and we're and we are close to uh the water park. And you know, Dolly Parton Way actually runs through all three towns. So you know, so you're okay. right. And yeah. she is a well-deserved, respected yeah. uh legend. Or not, I don't want to say legend, but she is she has done so much for this area in Sevier County and helping children. And she's kind of one of my idols. Uh, that's why when I yeah. created Moody Moon Ridge, we're, you know, we're donating 10% back to our elementary schools out here. These kids need it. Uh, and so, you know, Dolly is, she's a great person. And I mean, there's so many cool things to do out here. Yeah. You know, the zip lining, we're only, we're only seven minutes or 10 minutes, actually, depending on traffic from whitewater rafting down the Pigeon River. Yeah. And um, just amazing things to do out here. We can, we've got, you know, fishing and fly fishing and, uh, you, like I said, seven minutes, seven miles to the uh, Smoky Mountain, Great Smoky Mountain National Park, the north entrance and the Cosby area. So that's where Good I'm stuff. at. Well, I feel like we talk about the Smoky Mountains forever. It's just a beautiful place. <laughs> well, let's let's talk a little bit more about the personal stuff, because I think that's important. I think it's it's cool just to get to know who are the entrepreneurs that get it done. So you like, well, you're in your RV. OK, obviously, like traveling. But I, I understand am. you also <laughs> love swimming and we also did talk a little bit about hiking so that's that's really cool that you have those are healthy hobbies right i am part of okay so there's a little club out here it's not well known it's called the 800 mile club uh and um there's roughly 800 park 
the park district takes care of roughly 800 miles of walking trails in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. So it is my goal to finish, to walk all 800 of those miles. Um, I'm only on mile 60, uh, 63, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. I, I think it's going to happen. I don't I, have a crystal I, ball, but so I, I think it will. I think so too. And my goal is to, as uh, soon as tourist season's over, uh, take some kayak lessons and start kayaking with my dog, Teddy, and, and just kind of going down the, the, the quieter parts of the rivers. All right, that's amazing. Well, okay, I wish this didn't have to end, but it looks like it's time for us to enter the high impact rapid fire section of the interview. Are you ready, okay. Sue? I am All right, ready. It. All right, here it comes. Here's the seven. So if you could be known for only one thing, what would it be? I'm a great mom. What is the greatest lesson in leadership you have learned as an entrepreneur? The health of the project is the, the most important. I, I, the health of the project has to be put first. Yeah, absolutely. What personal characteristic has been most pivotal to your success? We're going to go with downright stupidness. <laughs> fearlessness, fearlessness. We'll call, right. we'll call okay. it fearlessness. Can, can, oh, yeah. I was going to ask if we could rename that intrepidity, but you already did. Okay. Yes. All right. Let's go with a random question. Mix it up a little bit. Just tell me when to stop cutting. Stop. This is hilarious. It's killing me. What are your favorite apps? My favorite apps? Seriously? Yeah. I'm over 50. None of them. <laughs> uh, I was going to let you stall for time. I, I could tell you mine. I love Audible. Okay. Uh, I love Blinkist. So that gives you uh, a shorts on books. So you don't have to listen to the whole thing. And uh, Chinese. That's a great way to learn your uh, Chinese characters. So none, though, Sue, there's got to be something. Come on, get that okay. phone out. So there, so there actually is Insight Timer because I like to uh, do my meditations. I also have a personal fitness and what's the name of it? Yeah, My Fitness Pal. I do like that. And last but not least, I because I did have hip surgeries uh, about a year and a half ago, I do wear my Fitbit every day. So my Fitbit app. So I do have apps. <laughs> okay, so there you go. You're practically the app queen. <laughs> you just don't think of yourself as such. All right. <laughs> With us, can you name a book that's helped afford you as an entrepreneur and leader and why? Um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, uh, which is one of my favorite books of all time because the key takeaway for me is it's not about the meaning of life is not about me personally. It's what does life expect of me? And that makes the, the picture much bigger. Much Very deep bigger. cut. Love it. Yeah. Love it. What is the biggest hurdle you've overcome in your business in the last year? And what did it teach you? 
biggest hurdle in the last year? Uh, getting set up here in Tennessee, really. Um, big, big hurdle. It's working with all new trades. Not all new. I did. There's a few. There's there's a few trades that are actually came with me down from Chicago, so that helped me quite a bit. Um, that was it. I mean, setting up a business, even though I've been a builder for a while, in an area that I virtually know nobody in, and yeah, that was that was tough. And all the rewards that go with that too. So pretty yes. awesome that you you surmounted that. Good stuff. All right. Can you set us out with a quote to help forge our listeners as leaders and entrepreneurs? Quote. Uh, for me personally, or you want me to quote, quote somebody? Oh, hey, either way, I'm happy. What, <laughs> okay. what lights your entrepreneurial fire? We need to know. Today's not a good day to quit. And with that, how do our listeners reach out to Suhoff? You can reach me. Um, our website is moodymoonridge.com. That's uh, where, where I'm at in Tennessee. Um, or they can email me, sue at augustlimited.com. All right. Outstanding interview, Sue. Thank you so much. And can't wait to get this out. Uh, just really appreciate your career and you taking your time to share your knowledge and experience with our audience. Thank you. Thank you so much, George. I appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure. Likewise. Okay. <laughs>